for the week of June 9th, 2019. This is Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into all things Star Wars, as well as the latest news coming out of Lucasfilm. This week, we're looking at Season 1, Episode 6 of The Clone Wars and Season 1, Episode 4 of Rebels. And to help me tackle all this is John. John, how are you doing? Excellent, because these are the two episodes that I've been waiting for. This is where both series um, sort of take it to the next level. You know, we get some fun villains. We get uh, just a, another story arc uh, starting to emerge. And uh, yeah, having so much fun with these rewatches that I'm excited to be able to break it all down. Well, then let's just get into this episode of Clone Wars. Let's do it. Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Season 1, Episode 6, Downfall of a Droid. R2-D2 goes missing as a result of a battle, and Anakin insists on going on a rescue mission due to R2's memory never being wiped, and that R2 is carrying the Republic's secrets that could be retrieved if the Separatists unlock his memory bank. But let's be honest, it's because Annie loves R2. (laughs) Right, yeah. I'm not even entirely sure that R2's information could be accessed. I think that Anakin would have said anything at that point to get the all clear to go after him. (laughs) Well, it's like one of those things where Obi-Wan's just like, Anakin, we'll get you another R2 unit. He's like, but but I never wiped his memory. Yeah. And then it's like Obi-Wan, I was like, okay, now you have to find him. Exactly. Uh, yeah, Anakin said what he needed to say, but he would have gone anyways. There's there's nothing that would have stopped Anakin from raising heaven and hell to find that droid. And uh, yeah, it's a fun little adventure that unfortunately doesn't bear fruit, but will set us up for some future adventures as well. And and this is one of the uh, one of the times that we see the uh, consequence of Anakin disobeying orders. You know, he's kind of told like, OK, let's fall back. We don't need to keep right. approaching this. He's like, no, we can take him. Um, and then as a result, loses R2, almost loses his own life. But of mm-hmm. course, that can't happen in the Clone Wars. <laughs> uh, and then Grievous, of course, runs, flees. Uh, and yeah, I just I, I love this episode because it gives some more uh a deeper thing with Anakin and R2. And also to me, it was sticking out like, oh, R2 has been there for a long time. And Anakin has a relationship with R2 that Luke develops. Um, And and it's in the last Jedi where this stuck out to me when Luke is just kind of navigating the Falcon and um, reminiscing, so to speak. And then you see his tone change. Like he's all gloom and doom for the first, you know, 15 minutes. But then as soon as R2 starts beeping, he's like, R2. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is, uh, you know, this started with Anakin. Yeah, there's some real history there, and the show understands it, so mm-hmm. they don't have to try too hard to let us all know that there's a camaraderie between Anakin and R2 that Anakin's never going to abandon him. Yeah, and yep. I feel like that if we ever have a moment in the live-action trilogies where we say goodbye to C-3PO and R2, it's going to be hard for me to let go, <laughs> um, because that's one of those things where like, I get it, Anakin's story has to come to an end, Luke's story has to come to an end, uh, but does R2's, like, really? Uh, and, and so I think that everyone just loves this little droid. Uh, his his beeps give us, some, give us some joy in life. Sure. There's a running, I don't know if it's a joke or just sort of something that Lucas picked up on as he was developing the stories, but effectively the entire star Wars saga 
could be told from the perspective of R2, right? He's the ever present, yeah. you know, personality that's seen everything that happens in the galaxy. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot invested in this droid at this point. So I, I think it's fun that Anakin is willing to rally and, uh, make sure that, uh, he never has to replace his beloved R2. Yeah, and he temporarily does with this droid R3S6. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love how Ahsoka is just so embraceive of him and just sure. like, and he's gold for gold leader of gold squadron. <laughs> uh, and she's just so supportive and lovey to this little droid. Yeah. And Anakin's just like, oh, I don't want it. I don't yeah. want it at all. Um, and, and of course, I'm going to put quotations around this because we don't have any, you know, future knowledge as to what's happening but we find that (laughs) r3s6 is an incompetent little guy yes and i'm just gonna leave it at incompetent because there's a little more to his story uh yeah so we're not gonna trample future storylines um but yes he does not come through in a pinch quite the same way that r2 is capable of it seems like every time there's a critical maneuver that needs to be made and anakin's relying on him he does the exact opposite um which should raise some eyebrows, uh, mm-hmm. but for the sake of this storyline, Anakin's so invested in just finding R2 that he doesn't think too much of it, other than that this R3 droid that should be top of the line and super capable just doesn't have R2's ability to save the day. Yeah, and R- we find that R2 is not uh, necessarily just floating around in space mm-hmm. due to battle, but he's been picked up by... Uh, is he considered a junker? Would Would you yeah. consider him to be a... Yeah. A scavenger, junker. He's a space Jawa, right? Yeah. Like he's got a, a rig that has these, um, you know, extension arms that can go through debris fields after battles and try and collect anything that might have some resale value. He found the droid, realized that it could potentially have some intel value, got in touch with uh, Gre- Grievous? No, Dooku. Yeah, he got in touch with Dooku to see if he could barter for it. Um, and so because of that, he has to play coy when Anakin comes looking. Yeah. yeah and it's one of those things where God knocked is when he finds out that a Jedi is looking for it, he tries to kind of double cross the empire here. Like, Hey, you got to pay me more money. Right. And I love the responses. Like, seriously, you're going to go down that route. Yeah. No, <laughs> like, yeah, well, you're not doing that. <laughs> I, I can pay you what we agreed to, or I can just come get the droid and we'll see yeah. how it goes for you. It's kind of your choice there, junk dealer, but don't assume that you have leverage over Dooku. Um, yeah. So that was a fun little back and forth that they have where his attempt to leverage a better deal is completely shot down. Um, so yeah. Yeah, um, there, there's there's some plot being set up here that isn't fully resolved, right? At the end of this episode, R2 is still missing in action. Anakin's yep. no further ahead, and he's still got an incompetent droid that doesn't seem to be helping his cause any. And that almost kills him a number of times. <laughs> yes. Like, turns on the tracking beacon, and Grievous finds him. Like, Grievous was just lucky enough to be looking for a Jedi tracker beacon at the point. Um, and it just bad timing for R three here. Yeah. Let's see how this, how this all unfolds, but yeah, it yeah. seems a little, a uh, little convenient just how bad everything goes when R three's around. Yeah. It's just in, in bad for Anakin, like Anakin <laughs> loses his droid and then is stuck with this thing. Like they need to go back and fix it because obviously the person that put the puzzle pieces together on this droid sure. did not do a good job. Obviously. <sighs> well, do you have any other thoughts on this episode? Uh, this is a setting the table episode, right? Like we, we, we know that the story is still open-ended and we know that we're going to build on it. Uh, so this is just basically telling us, you know, here's, here's our, our 
our current drama and uh, stay tuned. You know, it kind of leaves yeah. on a bit of a cliffhanger. So uh, as a setup episode, it's perfectly good, but this episode doesn't really become rewarding or satisfying until, you know, things continue right. to progress. It's nice to have that perspective during the rewatch, but sometimes it's nice to go into it a little blind too. We, we don't yeah. have that advantage, but still perfectly competent episode. I enjoyed a lot of what they brought here. I think it's hilarious that Grievous is considered this, you know, elite general, um, but for whatever reason, every ship he ever steps on blows up and he always escapes at the last moment. Like, uh, we're, we're starting to see that trend of, of his incompetence, uh, continually playing out strategically. Um, you know, he goes into the asteroid field. He thinks that he's, uh, got it all figured out that he's got his bases covered, but no, he's very easily flanked. So, uh, what I find fun about this is really how Grievous is supposed to be a menace, but he is really that cliche villain that just always escapes at the last moment to live another day. And, uh, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> the, the show will have to lean on that a few more times, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's amusing now. Uh, I do hope that they're able to do more with Grievous's character so that he yeah. doesn't just continue to be this, uh, whatever, just one step ahead of destruction, but not really a, a competent villain. Uh, that's, yeah. That's the one thing that's yet to be seen at this point. Yeah. Well, what's sticking out to me is that he is a luckier uh, General Custer. <laughs> yes. Like, that's yes. who he is. Uh, he yeah. just is luckier, but kind of the same mindset as I'm better than than these people. And it doesn't matter how many times I lose. I'm still just going to go in uh, headstrong and hope that things work out. And if they don't, I can I can jump ship. I just yeah. got a bunch of droids. Yeah. There's a sense that his arrogance sometimes gets the better of him. And that sometimes is downfall. And he, he's not always quick to think that there could be anyone out there that could be strategizing at his level. But, uh, for how many ships he's lost in the last few weeks, I wonder why Dooku continues to put so much faith in him. But again, we're very early in the series. <laughs> yes. And so a downfall of a droid, was that R2 or was that grievous? <laughs> Ah, well, there you go. That's, I think that's a question for each of us to, uh, look deep inside ourselves to find the answer. My hunch was that it was R2, but Hey, you know what? I I could get on board with the idea that maybe it's a subtle allusion to, to Grievous's constant failure. Are you enjoying Star Wars TV talk? Well, what if I told you that you can get paid just for listening to this podcast? I know it sounds insane, but it's true. We just discovered this new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to the podcast, you earn PodCoin while you listen. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards to places like Starbucks or Amazon. Or if you're a good person, you could even donate that PodCoin to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. So here's what you do. Download the app right now on iPhone or Android and I have a special code just for you. Simply use our code Star Wars TV and you'll get 300 podcoin just for signing up. And if you listen to enough of us on here, you basically get a cappuccino at Starbucks or an Amazon gift card on us, which is pretty legit. So go ahead, go and listen to this podcast or virtually any podcast on podcoin and sign up with the code Star Wars TV. And here's the other thing. Podcoin has given me a podcast listener even more joy in listening to podcasts because I get paid to do it. Well, let's go ahead and transition into Star Wars Rebels. Beautiful. Let's do it. Season one, episode four, Rise of the Old Masters. The rebellious crew of ghosts discovered that Jedi Master Luminara Unduli is survived Order 66. And in an attempt to rescue the old master from the spire, which is an ultimate prison, the crew falls into a trap 
from a most sinister foe, the Grand Inquisitor. Mm-hmm. Man, this episode was phenomenal. Yeah. My favorite one up to this point. It's feeling pretty Star Wars-y at this point. You know, we're getting some Jedi training. We're getting some fun, uh, what do we call it here? Uh, like fortune cookie wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, Kanan's trying to offer some of uh, what Yoda uh, offered to him and he can't quite sell it the same way. You're getting oh, just a lot of character development, a lot of uh, bonding between him and Ezra. Uh, but the best is how expertly laid out this trap is and how on your first watch you never see it coming and i just really love how they frame this whole episode you think that it's like a rescue the princess kind of heist and no uh yeah we're we're leveling up here we're getting into a whole nother uh yeah uh higher stakes game now that they're bringing the inquisitor into it and uh, i ate up every moment of it yeah and it's so it's a tragic episode Mm Um, and the fact that the crew is going after, they, they pick up, they think that, oh my gosh, uh, this old friend that Kanan met, uh, while he was training as a Padawan in the temple, he meets Luminara, he, uh, and then there's a, a little sliver of hope that, that she is alive and that he can rescue her with this crew. And then when he gets there, it's, it's so tragic because you see it kind of from his perspective of, okay, she's locked behind here and she's in some sort of, you know, hypersleep or whatever it may be. And then as he approaches the glass, you see her, her face, you know, deteriorate. And it's just like, oh, she's, she was here, but she's been long gone. So he's really seeing like the echo of her essence, right? They're using, they're using that as bait to draw in Mm -hmm. Jedi so that they can purge the last of the remaining Jedi that are hearing these, um, uh, these communiques that say that she's alive, they're obviously planted in Intel to, uh, or counter Intel to, to draw them into this trap. Um, but just how, um, sad that scene is realized, you know, yeah. they, they enter and he sees her, what we now understand is her essence basically mm-hmm. in the cell, but you get the sense that something isn't quite right. It looks like she's like lobotomized, right? She can't communicate. Right. There's just something not right about the situation, but he's tapped into, you know, her presence. He knows that, uh, it's her in some sense. And then the scene reveals itself when, uh, you know, they, they show the, whatever the, the stasis, the corpse, whatever it is that they're using as bait. Uh, it's just so tragic and it turns so quickly that you really get a sense of foreboding. So when the inquisitor reveals himself and he's like this, this gentleman who's always like in control of the situation, he's not just like this emotional fierce beast. He's like, He's like a real calculated villain. Oh, it just, it all plays so nicely. Yeah, it's it's super just, I, I, I was picking up on on so many of these things and I, you feel the tragedy for for Kanan. Like you feel for him. Um, you, you, you feel that, you feel his pain. Um, and it's sad because this all starts when Kanan doesn't feel like he can properly train Ezra and he keeps referring throughout this whole episode uh mm-hmm. to to Ezra that this is why you need Master Andoli because she can be a better trainer she can she can teach you the ways of the Jedi more um and it's just one of those things that is just just very tragic um very tragic for these these individuals here yeah it's because he's grappling with his own self-doubt that he really invested in the idea that maybe if they can rescue her, that she's going to be uh, a better option 
for Ezra as, mm-hmm. as a teacher, because he's struggling with his own past failures and is just his own, uh, he, he just doesn't feel grounded. He doesn't feel like he could do justice or do right by Ezra. So even though Ezra is feeling like he's being rejected, Canaan's trying to be selfless and trying to yeah. figure out a better path for him. And, you know, it, it, it's all just fleeting and it's taken away from him in this, you know, this wisp in the ether. <laughs> Uh, oh, just uh, thematically and visually just, there's a lot of really great storytelling that is punching way above its weight in this episode and, uh, it it all lands. It's so good. Yeah. And then, you know, we get past the, the tragedy and we get kind of into the, the trap here that is set by this grand inquisitor, which is the first time we really, uh, see who he is Mm -hmm. and what he does. Uh, so what, who is this guy, this grand inquisitor? What makes him so, so good of a foe here? He's in control. He's, uh, going toe to toe, right? Like he's, he's never Mm -hmm. just pursuing. He set the trap. He drew them in. He was figuring out how to capture them long before they knew he existed. Like that, a real villain is working behind the scenes before he's ever revealed before, you know, you even know that there's a threat and he kind of manifests that, right? Like he doesn't show up until he's confident that he's already won the day. He has them in a prison cell. He's got his, you know, funky spinning lightsaber. He just, he thinks he's the man and he thinks he's got it all figured out. And it's only through, um, you know, just, uh, just some happenstance that he doesn't capture them on this occasion, but his plan was flawless. And, uh, even when yeah. he starts to improvise and has to pursue them because they get the upper hand, he's still just very methodical and he's still just always just thinking it through. And I, I love a villain where you see the gears turning. I don't care about yeah. monsters. I don't care about, uh, that kind of threat. I care about the threat that is outpacing you. That's one step ahead. That is superior, you know, mentally in, in some way. Um, and he's got all that. So as a villain, I love it. Yeah, and he, uh, again, he's behind the scenes this whole time. Mm-hmm. So as the the portions of the Empire is pursuing the crew of the Ghost, he's kind of there. Right. And, we, and we see, you know, little bits of him. And this one, uh, we see that he is just pure evil and that he set on one thing, and that is wiping out all of the remaining of the Jedi. Uh, and that's what he's set on. That's what he wants to do. Uh and and let's be honest, you, like you said, the, his plan is flaw- flawless. But in any other case, in any other circumstance with any other Jedi, and I'm curious to know how many he actually has killed in the past with the same trick. Because if Kanan was more of a recluse and was more of a uh, you know a solo, sure. and got and he went into this trap alone, yeah, he probably would have died. Yeah, um, he only gets out because the <laughs> ghost crew. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Inquisitor has a few more people to factor into the situation than maybe he was anticipating. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there, there's a lot to like about that. But what's also fun is that in true Star Wars fashion, the Inquisitor is never above trying to seduce someone to the dark side. So you get a lot of that interplay with him and Ezra. He's like, oh, okay, this kid obviously has a spark. You know, he's yeah. in tune with the force, but there's no discipline here. He's not a Jedi. He doesn't know what he's doing. And, uh, uh, I could probably work an angle here. So you see him, he's, he's playing all the sides here, right? He's dealing with Kanan. He's, he's 
pushing them back, like just physically he's, you know, driving them, uh, forward, pursuing them. But at the same time, he's happy to begin planting the seeds of doubt and introducing the concept of the dark side and trying to begin that seduction. So yeah, he's a, a true dark side villain in the vein of Sidious. And, uh, yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of fun. This one was a lot of fun. Yeah. And that kind of speaks to the downfall of, of the Sith in the ways that they're always thinking about sure. how they can get the next one in yeah. and it hurts them, um, in the end, but, uh, yeah, it's, you see all of these themes you see, uh, and it's very reminiscent of the original trilogy and in tone and in, um, but also br- it's like connecting everything sure. that's coming together. Uh, you get the, the connection from, of course, order 66 and into, um, what the empire is doing after order order 66 was mostly successful right. um, in ending the Jedi. And now I just, I just love that. That's what this, this villain is bent on. This villain is bent on wiping them out. Right. Um, he is a, he, he's a, he's a gung ho Nazi that, that is, <laughs> that is into the mission and, and views it as his destiny. And he's just, he's just so creepy um, and wonderful. Yeah. Like in the worst way possible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's why I say that this is some of the most like Star Warsy of Star Wars that, that we, we get at this point in the show. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what else to say, except they, they really nailed it on this one. I think they knew where they were going when they developed the show, right? They knew that this was kind of the first big storyline that they wanted to develop. And because they had a, a clear focus towards what they were driving for, they just really stuck the landing on this one. Yeah, uh, and I hope that that we get to see more of this Grand Inquisitor in the future. I have a feeling that we will, um, and I hope that our listeners join us throughout all this uh, because it's amazing. Absolutely. Well, John, where can our listeners find you? They can find me on my other podcast, uh, SNL After Party, where we uh, cover everything surrounding Saturday Night Live. Uh, We do recaps of the show when it's in season. We look at vintage stuff. Uh, We run the gamut, and uh, we try to do justice to the uh, legacy of that cultural institution. If anyone is interested in that sort of thing and, um, isn't totally put off by my radio voice, by all means, come over, give it a listen. SNL after party or snlpodcast.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me, John. No problem. Talk to you later. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to star Wars TV talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review on iTunes. For every 10, we give away some awesome Star Wars merchandise. And you can find us on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Star Wars TV Talk. You can also check out our website, www.starwarstvtalk.com. And a special thanks to Lade Wogan for this intro and outro music. You can follow him on soundcloud.com slash Lade Wogan. Thanks for listening, and remember, the Force will be with you. Always.